cover a crime where two little girls are heavily influenced by the horror stories they were reading online. But the depths to which this influence would take hold in their mind will leave you wondering what other things children are picking up on. This episode discusses mental health and the fictional creature Slenderman. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. On May 31, 2014, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, a man named Greg Steinberg is bicycling on a remote, blocked-off path when he comes across a young girl bleeding on the side of the road. The story connected to this young girl's injuries would turn out to be one that made headlines across the country. In the 911 call Greg placed that day, you can hear him describe the condition of the young girl he discovered. Also Rivera. Okay. He came upon a 12-year-old female. She appears to be stabbed. She appears to be what? Stabbed. Stabbed? Correct. Okay. Are you still there? Yes. Hi, sir. So is are you with this 12-year-old female? Yeah, she says she's having trouble breathing. She said she was stabbed multiple times. Stabbed multiple times? Yes. Okay, sir, are you with her right now? Yes. Is she awake? She's awake. Is she Um, breathing? Yeah, she's breathing. She said she can take shallow breaths. She's alert. Okay, stay with her. We're sending the police department. Don't hang up, okay? The young girl would later be identified as Peyton Leitner. She suffered 19 stab wounds to the body in the arms, leg, and abdomen, and Peyton is only 12 years old. Something I found particularly upsetting when reading through all of this was that the bloody shirt that was in evidence that Peyton had been wearing that day looked to be from the clothing brand Justice, and it read, Love, Hope, Smile, Beautiful, and... That's just a brand that I was, like, obsessed with at that age. So especially even in, like, I feel like when I was 12, I was wearing Justice as well. So that really kind of hit home for me seeing that through my research. I feel like that really describes her youth because that's, like, a very, like, young section. It's the junior section, but, like, a whole store. Right. And she was just so little. And after she was rushed to the hospital, doctors were able to save her, saying that she nearly missed death due to this violent crime. And one of the stab wounds indicated that it had just missed her heart. So she was, like, in really bad shape. Um, And she wasn't able to talk at first when she kind of came out of this state of being like wounded and doctors were able to help her and her first written question on a notebook piece of paper was did they get them she had been attacked in the woods nearby and she was able to crawl away from her attackers which is where greg had found her on the side of the road at this point police were unsure who had attacked her as she wasn't really up for talking when she was first found Eventually, they arrived at the conclusion that Peyton had not been alone, but had been playing with her two friends, both 12 years old, Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire, who were at that point nowhere to be found. 
They contacted the parents of all three girls, not saying much to Morgan and Anissa's parents as other than just saying, you know, these girls are missing. Have you heard from them? Um, And this kind of like caused the parents to think that they had been kidnapped at first, which, you know, if I was told my 12 year old daughter was missing, I would think the same thing. Yeah. After piecing together what had happened, they informed Morgan and Anissa's parents that they were suspects in the stabbing of Peyton. Anissa's mother was recruiting anyone she could to help find her daughter, no matter the circumstance, even after hearing what happened, because regardless, that's still her daughter. Like, that's still her 12-year-old little girl that's missing. So she is frantically looking for Anissa. She looked through her phone for clues to maybe see, you know, if she had been texting about what their plans were for the day. And she actually found a goodbye note on her phone, which she immediately told detectives about as soon as she found it. That is so sad. And hard to read regardless of the circumstance as a parent. But especially when it's coming from your 12-year-old daughter and you're finding this in the wake of all of these really sudden events. I couldn't imagine what was going through Anissa's mom's head at this time. Right. I mean, they're just frantic because even hearing that they're like suspects of this, that you never think that your little girl is going to be involved in something like this. And to then think that they're suspects is like, whoa, hold on. My little girl wouldn't hurt a fly. Like, what do you mean that they... She stabbed her friend 19 times. Like, that's just ridiculous. The two suspects were eventually located off of Interstate 94 five hours after Peyton was initially found on the side of the road. 12-year-old Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire were taken into custody, and in one of the bags held the blade that Peyton was stabbed with. Oh my goodness. With the sheer violence of this crime and the age of the suspects, it was puzzling and haunting to police, you know, what could have caused these little girls to commit this crime against their classmate? Because that's not something that necessarily just organically develops in somebody's mind. And Mm -hmm. it was just really troubling the whole age aspect of it. And I think police officers, they see so much that we can't imagine but for them to not even be able to process the horrific crimes that these two girls may have potentially committed then placing your yourself in their parents shoes right and you want to think of the best of your little child again i don't think that as either of their mothers i would be able to process what was going on especially even after reading their goodbye message. Right. I mean, I was just like trying to place myself in my own shoes, like take myself back to when I was 12. And um, when I was 12, I was, you know, wearing justice and thinking about, you know, what I'm going to, you know, play on the playground. Like I was very much a little kid, which I think has started to go less and less away from kids these days just because of 
internet access and we can talk about all of that later but i was just you know never thinking about anything like this so that's why i think parents are so like what the heck like my daughter would never do this like they were just having a sleepover yeah i agree it's definitely like kids and now elementary school i feel like are getting their innocence taken away from them at such a younger age right because of the things that they see out in public and this is really exaggerated through social media and technology where even a parent could try preventing their kids from having like social media access well i had it from my parents when i was a kid Mm -hmm. like anyone can hide it and it's still going to be in your school systems So it is really sad to see how, like, technology has played into the day-to-day of kids. Right. And, you know, this weekend that these three girls were having was at first one that many little girls experience, which was just a slumber party with their friends from school. The girls had gone to Skateland that Friday night to get pizza and skate before a slumber party back at Morgan's house. Um, And Morgan's mom even recalled the night being completely normal with the girls returning home and going upstairs to play with dolls, nothing out of the ordinary. There was no sign of violence or, you know, plotting against Peyton that, you know, she was being left out or anything like that. Um, Morgan then asked her mom the next morning if the three girls could go to the park and play. And Morgan's mom recalled an ABC interview saying, you know, I was actually a strict mom. And the reason I let them go play was because Morgan was with her two friends. And I never would have guessed that, you know, my daughter was plotting against her friend Peyton. Like, I never would have guessed Morgan had these sinister thoughts. Um, So... That's just kind of setting the scene for what that night looked like um, before, you know, they went to the park that day. And then we find Peyton on the side of the road with 19 stab wounds. Once um, Morgan and Anissa were in custody, they were interrogated by investigators. And these investigators were hoping that they could get some answers as to why the two girls could do something so terrible and how they even got this idea in the first place. And this is when the talk of technology and the internet kind of comes into play and is kind of hitting the head of childhood and trying to figure out, you know, what's an okay amount. Um, The girls had been online on a site called the Creepypasta Wiki. Um, Creepypasta is a horror-related legend or um, form of writing in which horror stories have been shared online. Um, It has since become a sort of generic phrase for any horror content share online. However, I will say this was new to me in investigating this case. I don't know if that shows my age um, or if I just had never seen it before. Um, The subject of these stories can really be anything that the writer feels would scare the reader. So zombies, ghosts, murder, suicides, rituals to spirits. Um, There's really no limit as to how long they are either. So they could be pages and pages long, or they could just be one 
um, short paragraph. There's really just no limit to it. So I have never heard of this website either. I'm actually like looking it up as we're talking. <laughs> and it has a whole bunch of different genres. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, it does remind me of this like one book that I used to have as a child where it was like ghost stories to tell around the campfire. And I used to remember like trying to read every now and then. I hate horror. <laughs> I you don't. Do. I don't watch any horror movies ever, so I don't Which think that's so book- weird. It's so weird that you hate <laughs> horror and we're sitting here today like I know <laughs> hosting a true crime podcast. I hate it. So I definitely never would have like ever been on this and just like shut out my life. But it definitely like pre-technology, it reminds me of like a couple books that I know used to be created where it was like little horror camps to- campfire books. Yeah. The nice thing about those books though is they were, you know, reviewed yeah um these stories that these little girls were reading you know they were kind of just posted out there and there was there wasn't really a governing body that was looking over these and the earliest creepy pastas emerged in 1990 and followed the story of ten ted the caver and other stories included ben drowned and jeff the killer which are apparently both really popular as well that's Another thing that I'm sure I'll dive down a rabbit hole about at some point. Many of um, these early creepypastas were also posted on 4chan, which I found interesting because that is an anonymous image board website. um, And it's still commonly used today for other kind of anonymous communications. Um, So I just thought that was kind of an interesting fun fact. It really shows the versatility of 4chan. Like, I always think of 4chan for, like, political commentary. Right. Yeah. It was on the Creepypasta Wiki where they read the post on Slenderman. Slenderman is a thin, tall humanoid with no distinguishable facial features, and he wears a trademark black suit. He is ever-changing and appears out of nowhere, and anyone can contribute to his story because he is completely fictional. He is today's boogeyman, and he literally blew up online over one of these creepypasta posts and a picture of him that was generated um, and posted online as well. Now it has jumped off of these internet pages and landed into books and even people dressing like him and hunting him in the woods. He's Halloween costumes. I remember talking about Slenderman without even knowing this specific story that we're talking about today. I had people, you know, in my school or I knew what he looked like because he was floating around online. Um, But the way that Morgan and Anissa describe him is in a way that I never knew Um, and they describe him as having really a control over them. Anissa says that Slenderman has what are called proxies or servants that Morgan suggested to her that they take the role of. They kind of don't have a choice. Slender's like the really big um He's like head of it all, supposedly. Okay, so Slender's the big guy. Yeah. The top guy. And the proxies are his puppets. Yes, that's how people put them puppets. Oh, okay. Boy, I don't even I never even heard of this before. Okay. And it's 
called Creepy Pasta Wiki. Yes, ma'am. Like W I K L. Yes. Okay. You can find it online. Sure. Search something like um, I Love Jack, which is another killer. There are killers and proxies. Proxies are apprentices to killers, and killers are either by themselves or have proxies. I don't know that much about proxies and all that. Okay. I just know what the internet has told me. Okay. So the internet has told you that Slender, the Slender, is there just one? Yes. Or, okay. So Slender has a bunch of proxies, a bunch of puppets. Yes. And amongst these puppets, there are also killers? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So proxies or puppets and killers are not the same? Yes. Okay. Like on a... Um, like a triangle chart, Slender would be up here. Okay. Then be like killers and then proxies. Okay, so killers outrank the proxies. Yeah. So in Anissa's interrogation, she was initially nervous, but then she really opens up to police. And she let the investigator know in the beginning that Morgan, her partner in crime, sometimes loses her train of thought in the middle of sentences and was also known to hear voices. So she's just like, hey, just want to let you know that Morgan kind of struggles with this. And the investigator's like, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. So Anessa's definitely aware that Morgan's a little different. To me, during this interrogation, it sounded like Anissa was following the lead of Morgan, who had suggested they needed to kill Bella, a nickname for Peyton, the victim, back in December, January timeframe, which means that they had been speaking and planning about this for five to six months. That is so crazy premeditated, and the fact that they just gave up that information is crazy. Oh my gosh, they're like future defense lawyers. Like, shut yeah. The fuck up. Well, like, shut this up. is something I'll, I'll touch on, but they're also 12. So, yeah. you know. Anissa admits in her interview that she was actually excited to hear this plan so that she could see if Slenderman was real and to discredit the skeptics. So she's like really latching on to the belief that Slenderman was real and. They're under the impression that if they are able to kill her, to kill Peyton, and prove themselves to Slenderman that he will reveal himself and that they'll be servants to him and get to interact with him. She also tells the investigator that she was too squeamish to stab Peyton and handed the knife to Morgan after they had lured Peyton into the woods where she states in the interview that they say, they saw Slenderman out of the corner of their eye on the way to the woods. She starts crying when she is recalling Peyton saying, I thought I could trust you as she was being attacked. So Anessa's definitely showing some signs of remorse during this interview. She also says that she told Peyton they were going for help for her after they attacked her, but really they left her and took off. And we're just planning to leave her so that she would pass away. She then tells investigators that they were walking to Slenderman's mansion in the woods, which is why they were walking around for five hours. So it was a very interesting interview. 
Um, but it was very different from Morgan's. So Morgan's interrogation had a completely different vibe. And that's not only in like my opinion, but experts on the case also said that. Um, she was just very disconnected from it all. It was almost as if she was like, it didn't happen. Like it wasn't real that she was talking about these things. She uses the word necessary a lot when she's referring to harming Peyton and even points the fingers towards Anissa when saying who picked Peyton to injure for the approval of Slenderman. Like, out of all of their friends, why did they pick Peyton? She says that it was Anissa. And when she's asked about stabbing Peyton, Morgan said... Trying to block out the screams all day. So the only thing was, so then how did you get the knife from Anissa? She sort of just shoved it into my hand and there it was. And then I didn't know what I did. It was, it sort of just happened. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like anything. It was like air. So she put the knife in your hand or what'd you do? Fine. You know, even at 12 years old, like she, that's something that I would expect we would hear from like an older stereotypical murderer, like a man. That is, yeah, that's a true detachment. But also most of the serial killers that we do talk about, they start having murderous deviations at a Mm -hmm. young age. Yeah. So while this is very escalated. It's telling. Yeah, this is telling. That's for sure. So the girls had really similar stories. You know, they were separated for for their interrogation. Their stories really lined up until it came to the actual attack. Um, and they were pointing the finger at each other. You know, Morgan was saying it's Anissa. Anissa was saying it was Morgan who actually did it. Um, And Morgan even states that the plan was flawless. She was cold. She had no remorse. And she was clearly very manipulative to the whole process. After listening to these interrogations, it was clear that Morgan seemed to play more of a leading role in this crime. And when searching Morgan's home, police found notebooks with drawings of Slenderman and phrases such as, quote, you are strange child, dot, dot, dot. It will be of my use. All like scratched up in like dark pencil in like composition notebooks. I think it goes to show how like vulnerable kids at these ages really are. Like, they truly believed that there was someone out there that goes by Slender Man that is, like, a proxy for things. They were trying to go to his house. Mm -hmm. They were trying to go to his house and, like, get, get his approval because they kept reading these things online and really believed him into fruition. Right. And we look at it 
as an adult and we're like how could you believe that but they're so vulnerable at this age and i will say um later it was found that both morgan and anissa were mental health consumers so morgan was diagnosed with early onset childhood schizophrenia um and anissa was diagnosed with delusional disorder which was previously called paranoid disorder um and it's when people can't tell you know what's difference what's the differences between real and something that's imagined um and delusions are the main symptom of this disorder they're these unshakable beliefs that something that isn't true or you know isn't actually happening is their reality um which you know that pairing together really makes sense why we're seeing them grab on to this idea of Slenderman so hard because it's like they're lighting mm-hmm. each other's fire for it because they can like feed yeah. into it. Yeah, and it seems like Anissa like knew of Morgan's diagnosis before it even right before she was even diagnosed because she was like she stops mid sentence and like can't focus or says she has voices. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why I thought it was interesting that she pointed it out. Like she obviously knew that Morgan had something going on. Um, In addition to those notebooks that they found in the home, they also found a list of supplies written down for the killings. In addition to Barbies marked with red, like, pen of where, like, the Barbie would be stabbed. Um, And internet searches about getting away with murder and, quote, what kind of insane am I? That's really sad. The, especially the what kind of insane am I? Yeah, they like, were. She knows something's going on. Yeah, Morgan was definitely really how- struggling with that. That's so sad. It is sad. Both girls were charged with attempted first degree intentional homicide, um, and after a two year process, it was determined that both girls would be tried as adults at the age of fourteen, which I thought was a huge deal. Um, the interrogation footage and the items found at the home would all be shown in court. So they were decided that this is a really serious crime. And I think that the, the judge really wanted to make a point here as well. So they were going to be tried as adults. Later in an ABC exclusive, the mothers of Morgan and Anissa sat down and said that there were no warning signs of violence from their girls and that watching the interrogations back from that day was like watching a total stranger. In the 2020 interview, you can hear the mothers really struggling to wrap their heads around their children being attempted murderers and the mothers claimed that they did watch over their internet use And they kind of are like, I don't know how I missed this, you know? Um, And they'll just always feel guilty that they couldn't see that their daughters were ill is, you know, what they're really feeling. Um, The story shocked the nation and left some feeling really remorseful for the two girls as they were so young and, you know, they clearly are having their mental health consumers. They're having these issues that they're trying to handle at 12 years old that some people can't handle as a full grown adult and they may not have necessarily understood what an interrogation is or understood their rights either 
So that was kind of a topic of conversation when this case was first happening. Like I said in the beginning, when they were just, you know, divulging that they had planned this for months, that's not necessarily something that, you know, everybody would divulge in an interview, but these 12-year-olds did. In 2017, Anissa agrees to plead guilty to attempted second-degree intentional homicide. Keep in mind, she was charged with attempted first-degree. She wants a trial to determine her mental fitness, and a jury decided that she needed to go away for treatment after you know talking with doctors and even doctors that were appointed by the state. So, you know, It wasn't just doctors that her attorneys were appointing. The three doctors said that there was really no ability to know right from wrong with the delusion disorder that she had. And during her sentencing, her family provided new details into Anissa's everyday life as well, with her grandmother crying, stating that at times she just looked almost blank when you're talking to her. Anissa made a statement saying that she deeply regretted what happened that day and will do what she has to do to make sure it didn't happen again. But even the judge points out that it's hard to act out on this when you're a mental health consumer. Like as as much as you want to do well, that's not always the case. And that's why it would be most beneficial to her and the community to go and get treatment. She was ordered to 25 years in a mental hospital. In 2017, Morgan pleads guilty to attempted first-degree intentional homicide, and prosecutors do not fight that she is ill, and they decide that she should also stay at a psychiatric health facility. Morgan sobbed in court, saying how sorry she was and that she hoped Peyton was doing well, which is a complete 180 from her interrogation where she was really cold and, you know, very disconnected from the crime. Was she already getting help at this point? She was being held for those two years or almost three years. So she was getting some help, yeah. And that's two really important developmental years to mature. So it makes sense that, like, she truly, like, was sympathetic to Peyton and, like, was really regretful of what she did. Right. Um, The judge recognized the difference in her case and Anissa's pointed out that Morgan had commented before that she had been seeing Slenderman since she was four. So at some point during the investigation, she said that he had been coming to visit her from really early ages. So the judge is really pointing out that there's a huge difference here in that Morgan was the one who really seemed to be obsessed with Slenderman and had been, you know, seeing him. He sentenced Morgan to 40 years of institutional care. When Anissa turned 19 in 2021, she wrote a letter to the court requesting to re-enter society. At this time, she states she's exhausted all available resources to her at Winnebago Mental Health Institute where she had been staying. 
and she says if i am a if i am to become a productive member of society i need to be a part of society the prosecution countered this petition in saying that she was still young and she was susceptible to dangerous influences still um but the judge found her to be functioning really well and they were citing reports from her doctors and they ordered her release in July to in July 2021. She will be monitored in some form until she's 37. Um, so Anissa was released in 2021. She had obtained her high school degree and she plans to attend college. And in her letter, she stated that she is committed to using this negative situation and publicity for some good and that she intends to give back to the community by doing good within it and hopefully healing the wounds that she has inflicted on a lot of people. I really, I mean, it's really like in this few years, so much can change. Again, we have said it multiple times, but like there's such developmental years. And if you are a mental health consumer, sometimes you just need treatment to understand what's going on in your life and right she was so young when she was diagnosed yes and so i really wish her the best and of course you can't necessarily heal all wounds that you've created especially when some of them are just so horrific but if you truly like do hope and plan to do good then I definitely think that maybe other people can benefit from that. Maybe not the ones that you heard, but other people. Right. I do hope that she will use this time out to continue to get help and that she'll accept the help and the monitoring because I think so often we hear people who like get off of their medication and that, you know, a sick brain doesn't always feel like it's sick. Um, so I hope that she continues to do well um and can kind of grow from a childhood because i think we see so often that young people who commit crimes like this that's like their entire life yeah she sounds like her family is active in her life or at least mm -hmm. they were present um when she was a child so there also is like the whole accountability aspect where people close to you understand the struggling that you are going through then they can potentially see warning signs for you that you may not be seeing yourself or just like hold you to an accountability level that you need yeah um so after anissa was released morgan had filed a petition for conditional release but then withdrew that in august 2022 It's likely that her and her attorney chose to back away from this after reading reports by her doctors on her condition. However, it was refiled in May 2023 and is awaiting trial, which is set for August 28th of 2023, which is literally like next week. Um, So if you're listening, if you're listening to this as of the release, um, be sure to follow us on our socials for updates on the court's decision. But Morgan is trying to get out like Anissa did. Um, she does have double the sentence almost. She has about 40-year sentence to institutional health. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, what doctors are saying about her 
um, status and her recovery and treatment and all of those things. And that's really what's going to play a role in the court hearing on um, August 28th. And then finally, we have an update on Peyton as well, who is our victim. Um, Peyton sat down with ABC a few years ago, and she was just really grateful to be alive. Um, And she really knew that her injuries could have killed her. And when she was asked about the possibility of seeing the girls again and what she would say to them, she said that she would thank them as she now wants to pursue medicine, which I thought sweet that she has been able to get a positive outcome after something so horrific at such a young age yeah i feel like that shows like peyton's like a true like class act like yeah a genuine and even her even her parents when they were interviewed i felt like they handled it very well as as well um i don't know that i would have been as not gracious, but just ha- <laughs> conducted myself with decorum. Yeah. Um, you know, if my daughter had been stabbed. So um, that's kind of the update on Peyton. And as far as creepy pastas today, like we said earlier, they are still very much being written. And the website that the girls were inspired on, Creepy Pasta Wiki, is still very much alive. The site has since been updated um, in regards to their rules and their handbook, and it even provides a list of blackout topics, which includes titles such as Slenderman um, and some of the other topics um, that I mentioned before that kind of were around the same time as Slenderman um, because it gained such negative traction. Creepy Pasta Wiki was blocked throughout the Waukesha School District. Um, and on the Tuesday following the stabbing, the Slenderman creator said that he was deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin and that his heart went out to the families of those affected by the terrible act. The administrator for Creepy Pasta Wiki said that the stabbing was an isolated incident and did not accurately represent the Creepy Pasta community. And he also stated that Creepy Pasta Wiki was a literary website and that they did not condone murder or satanic rituals. So this was like a really big deal because there were parents like going after this website, being like, you are the reason that this happened. So they had to do like kind of a PR check here and there was people who were like well no like this encourages creativity and um this is a way for people to become better writers um but there was a lot of people that were kind of against this website members of the creepy pasta community even held a 24-hour live stream on youtube um to raise money for the stabbing victim in 2014 This case really made me think about even more than I already do the internet use that children have access to these days is just so insane because just think about things that you come across on your phone every day like just scrolling on TikTok or on Instagram or an ad that pops up on your browser your child is likely being able to see the same thing and they're smarter than you think like they can access things that they want to access unless you're putting in 
you know, those actual controls and blocks. Um, I do think it is so important to monitor internet access um, and content being consumed. That doesn't mean we need to limit creativity, but we need to protect young minds from the evils that can lurk online. Thank you for delving into the dark realms of true crime and conspiracy with us. Your dedication to our podcast is truly appreciated. If you found this episode as spine-chilling as it was thought-provoking, please consider leaving us a review. Together, we'll continue unraveling the mysteries that keep us all a little uneasy. Thank you.